0: And as we sang about today, it is a choice that will change your life forever. Forever. Eternity, right? Names written down in glory. Why? Because we serve a holy God. We serve a righteous God. A God who is worthy. And so I didn't sleep much uh, that weekend, uh, but came back and here we are again today. And it is such a pleasure uh, to be able to worship with you in the house. As As Nathan said, like, what a sense of joy in the room today. What a sense of God's presence just resting in this place. I don't know uh, where God was taking you in the midst of that worship, but He was just speaking to me about areas in my life that He would love for me to draw deeper in relationship with Him. And those moments just break me like that. We serve a God who would say, Hey, there is more in store for you today. There's more. There's a deeper understanding of who I am this morning. There's a deeper understanding, speaking specifically to me right there in the front, of who he has made me to be available for us today. And church, as we dive deeper into our relationship with God together, this place becomes something fierce. There's holy ground in this room today because God is with us. Amen? Come on. God is with us. Amen? Somebody needs to write that down. God is with us. What a proclamation that we can make in full honesty. What a proclamation that we can make this morning in full truth. That God is here in the room today. What a God we serve. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn uh, to 1 Timothy. That is where we are uh, this coming week in Becoming Heart Strong. Season 2 has been incredible. Uh Reading through the epistles is such a joy. Like letters written mostly from Paul uh, to different uh, uh, churches. In this particular instance today, we are going to read through a couple of sections of Scripture that Paul wrote specifically to one of his mentees, uh, Timothy. So we'll be starting in 1 Timothy the majority of our text this morning will come from chapter 6, but we will be starting in chapter 1 in just a moment. So if you want to turn there, uh, the majority of our text will come from chapter 6, 1 Timothy chapter 6, but we will be starting in 1 Timothy chapter 1 in just a moment. Uh, tonight, today's message is entitled, How Do You Pick a Good Fight? How do you pick a good fight? So my first question, obviously, is what is a good fight? And so I went to both of my boys, and I said, boys, what is a good fight? And they filled me in on all of the cartoon battles that they've seen in the past week. We had an amazing conversation. Very little of it will translate today. Uh, If the youth had made a little more noise, maybe I would have went into some of the anime that they've been watching, but it was just me in the front cheering for for youth. So now here I am, and I have the mic, so here we go. um, and so what is a good fight? It, it, it's so much deeper. You know what a good fight is? It's making sure that your, your house understands not to change the temperature on the thermostat. Right? That is a fight worth fighting. Right? There's nothing worse than all of a sudden, and, and, and some of you in this room, you know it. Right? When the, ther- the thermostat's been changed just one degree, right, all of a sudden you start to sweat. You're like, is it hot in here? And you walk over to the thermostat and you say, I knew it. 21 degrees? I'm sorry, did we plant a money tree outside? And you just, you know, just tap that little, you tap that little button down to 20 and immediately the sweat dries. You're like, ah, so good. So good. What else is a good fight? Sometimes knowing a good fight is actually realizing when it's the smarter choice not to fight. Uh yeah, so I can go through just a, a, a whole journal's worth of notes here on fights that I should not have fought, uh, specifically with my wife. If you were here a couple of weeks ago, you would have heard me stand on this stage and proclaim the greatness of chocolate chip cookies. And uh, in the second service, my wife was sitting in the front row, and it was so funny. Every time I said chocolate chip cookies, I could hear her under her breath whispering, oatmeal raisin. Right? I could like I could feel that. And as we drove home, I I said, listen, you know, when I'm up on stage, I just get all excited. But like oatmeal raisin cookies are delicious, right? Because there are times when it's smart to just say, it's not worth it. This isn't a good fight to pick. If I'm ever gonna get cookies again, it's okay if they're oatmeal raisin, you know, right? It's okay. Sometimes understanding what a good fight is is actually remembering what fights are worth fighting. And this morning, we want to journey through 1 Timothy as Paul encourages this young man of what discernment truly looks like. One of the most exciting things that I have really gleaned and pulled from scripture during Heartstrong Season 2 these last couple of weeks since January is just how crucial unity is in Paul's letters. Have you caught that? Have you caught that whisper kind of flowing through? It's been beautiful not only to read the scriptures, but to be a part of Heart Strong on Thursday, on, uh, on our mornings at 6 a.m. or on Tuesday nights together. And this idea of unity continues to come up time and time and time again in Paul's letters. And he says it again here in First Timothy. As Timothy, it is important to understand how to discern when to stand. How to discern when to stand. And I think for us as a church, not just here in this context, but thinking Big C Church, which we also here in Canada represent, I think it is important for us to understand what arguments, what discourse are important for us to dive into. One of my encouragements this morning, you're going to hear a couple times uh, throughout the, the, the entirety of this sermon, is let's make sure that the things that unite us run deeper than the things that try to divide us. Let us make sure that the things that unite us run deeper than the things that try to divide us. This is what Paul Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, verse 12. He says this, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called, and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. See, Timothy is this young pastor, this young leader in the church of Ephesus. Then 1 and 2 Timothy are really mentoring letters written specifically to this young leader. They are letters that I always envision Timothy having in the back of his pocket as he's walking about his day. And maybe they're sitting on his bedside table, and they're, they're letters they're that he would continually refer to when he came into seasons of storms or as he was trying to, to lead many times people who were much older than himself. And he would lean on the words from the Apostle Paul, words of encouragement, words of reminding, words of discernment. There's three things that Paul will walk Timothy through. He says, first, to discern the difference between true and false teaching. He also encourages Timothy to be warned against the love of money. And finally, he encourages Timothy that he needs to learn and understand what what to care deeply enough to engage in and where not to engage. The church that Timothy is in charge of actually will come up again when we get into the book of Revelation. The church of Ephesus, the church that Timothy is over, is actually uh, mentioned in the book of Revelation for its faithful discernment between good and evil. But in that consistent fight, it loses its first love. And so the church Timothy led us gave us invaluable insight that fighting forms us. See, church, we can pick good fights, but we left with a losing outcome. We can pick good fights, but we left with a losing outcome. Let, as we said, let us make sure that the things that unite us run deeper than the things that divide us, so that when we get our statements right, as we should, we are not doing so at the expense of our love for God, our love for our neighbor, or our love for our enemies. Our love for God, our love for our neighbor, our love for our enemies. That third one can be tough, can't it? Because in a fight, especially with our enemies, aren't you supposed to win? But when you walk through scripture, what you'll see is that even Jesus himself, as he hung on the cross, understood that true victory was in the salvation of souls. So let's ask ourselves a few questions this morning before we dive in. What would you say is the opposite to the core biblical convictions? What are things that are running, maybe through culture or maybe through discourses that you've had online, on social media, where you really just get fired up? There' are things that just they, they just set you off on the things that you know that you've been taught about Jesus, but that at the moment that they're mentioned, they just, ah, oh, they fire you up. And in the midst of that fire, What is your strategy for making sure that your heart stays tender towards God and other people? In 1 Timothy chapter 1, Paul mentors Timothy to be mindful of the effect of false teaching and and that it can have on the the church. The effects of false false teaching are always twofold. Number one, it's speculation rather than stewardship of the commands of Jesus. Saying, well, I think... Scripture is trying to say this when it's very clear what it is that Scripture is trying to say. It also can look like swerving rather than steadfastness in following the way of Jesus. If you've been with us for any time since I've had the opportunity to stand here Sunday after Sunday, you will have known that we are very open with the fact that we here at Life Center Canada will not get everything right. But one thing that we will stand on is the word of Jesus Christ. And the truth of the Bible. And so this is what Paul writes to Timothy. He says, this I charge, this charge I entrust to you, Timothy. Reading from 1 Timothy chapter 1, 18 to 19. My child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience. By rejecting this, some have made shipwreck of their faith. A few months ago, Pastor Jason led us about how sometimes faith can be holding on to planks and pieces of God's provision to get us to where God wants us to go next. This is a shipwreck, though, that Paul is speaking of a profoundly different nature. There are times in our lives where, in the midst of shipwreck, we need to hold on to those moments that God has shown up where we may not see Him in His fullness, but we can trust that He is there. The shipwreck here that Paul is warning Timothy about, though, is much different. It's a shipwreck of our faith entirely. Contending for the singular gospel of Jesus Christ is a good fight. It's a good fight for each and every one of us. A different doctoral position on secondary issues is not a good fight, but an expression of our collective need to be more like Jesus. Here are a few of our central uh, uh, doctrinal issues that we will stand on here at Kanata Life Center. We believe in the doctrine of the Trinity. We believe of the revelation of inspired scriptures. We believe that God is, always has been, and always will be a creator. All humanity is created in the image of God. The person and work of Jesus, he was fully God and fully man. The Holy Spirit and its involvement in each and every one of our Christian lives. The church and its place and its call to reach out to a world that doesn't know Jesus yet. And we also believe that one day we will hear the trumpet sound and announce our soon coming king. These are areas that we will not differ on. But there are other things that can can kind of jump up. I've heard Pastor Jason use the term little foxes. And if you've been in Life Center for any time, I'm sure that you've heard that term as well. It's those little things that can just kind of get us, get us kind of twisted out of joint, kind of put us out of place. But church, there is something greater taking place here today. I believe that the Holy Spirit is calling us to be unified in the name of Jesus. I believe that the Holy Spirit is calling us to be unified in the name of Jesus. When I was growing up, in a Pentecostal church, I remember uh, looking around and, and growing up in Kingston. We had, I had a couple of friends that went to Catholic school. I went to public school. And there always seemed to be this rift uh, between Pentecostals and Catholics. And one of the things that, that always kind of perplexed me as I grew up is I never actually had any relationship with any of our Catholic brothers and sisters. I only heard what it was that set us apart. I only heard about the differences and the things that that would kind of push us to one way or the other. It wasn't until about seven years into my opportunity to be a youth pastor that I really had the doors flung open when it came to engaging uh, people from uh, Catholic backgrounds. So about six years ago now, seven years ago now, uh, I did a message for our youth group entitled, What Does It Look Like?, To live like Jesus. And in the core of that message was a challenge to all of our high school students to go out and find a place in their school that they can serve and be like Christ. One of the key things that we kind of uh, outlined was the huge opportunity that all of them had to start Christian clubs in their schools. And so it was rocky at first, Right? As I encouraged and encouraged and encouraged. But all of a sudden, we had one Christian club start off in Barhaven. We had another Christian club start off down in the Glebe. I had a couple of students who were attending all the way from Gatineau. We had Christian clubs started out there. And I had about three or four students who were just excellent representations of Jesus that actually attended a Catholic school just up the street from the church that I worked at. And I remember challenging them each and every week. Hey, how about it? Can you start something? Can you begin something? Like, like, I know, like, I know that there's opportunity here. And they would say, oh, I don't know, I don't know. One student by the name of Naomi, about three weeks before she graduated, after months of encouragement, three weeks before she graduated, went up to the Catholic chaplain and said, hey, could we start a Christian club? He looked at her and said, Naomi, It's three weeks till the end of the semester. And she said, I know, but like, I really want to do this before I go. And my pastor's been encouraging me and he's willing to come in and and speak and share as well. And so the Catholic chaplain said, okay, like we can start this Christian club. And so they fired it off. And the first week they had about eight or nine students in attendance. And the next week I was invited to come in and be a special speaker. And I remember sitting down in the office with this Catholic chaplain, and the first thing he said to me was this. He said, can we pray? I said, yes, of course we can pray. So I closed my eyes, and this Catholic chaplain started speaking in tongues. And uh, I immediately opened my eyes, being like, is this guy making fun of me right now? Like, what, what's going on? But you could sense in the spirit that there was no joking in the room. Amen. And this man was going after the throne of God for the students that were about to attend. And it was amazing in this moment that I I just joined right in, right? Okay, the door's open, let's go. And uh, joined right in, and we had this incredible, incredible moment. And church, I want to encourage you that when it comes to the areas of fighting a good fight, it is important for us to grow in relationship with those who might look a little different than us. Amen? See, there's something about the definition and the depth of relationship that can dispel those little foxes. 1 Timothy 6, verses 4 to 5, Paul says, Listen, this is a warning. This is a warning to those who allow the little foxes to grow into big wolves. He says this, those who dive into quarrel, they become puffed up with conceit and understand nothing. They are—they have an unhealthy craving for controversy and quarrel about words, which produces envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicion, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and depraved of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. Paul warns, Timothy, that in the church, it is not okay for us to constantly represent those who are of a contrary demeanor. Church, our God is so much bigger, amen? Come on. Our God is so much bigger. There are times where we are called to stand and we are called to speak on what is true. And there are other times where we are called to stand and we are called to open our ears and open our hearts to listen. There are many people that you will come in contact with who have ideas and thoughts about the church and as you listen and as you engage with them, what you'll find is is that they've never actually been into a church ever in their lives. Hello? All the information, all the things that they've downloaded are simply from media. They're simply from what it is that they've heard. Or maybe they had a loved one or a friend or who was hurt by the church. And and I'll be honest, there are stories out there. As great as the church is, it is not without its flaws. Why? Because we're a part of it. And we have flaws. and Sometimes we make mistakes. But our prayer here in Kanata is that our flaws would never fully reflect on Jesus is that our flaws, even though they may become apparent once in a while, is that forgiveness would actually be a foundation here in Life Center. And that we would give grace and mercy and keep our eyes focused on Jesus while we hold each other's hands and gather each other up and continue on in this fight that God has set before us. 1 Timothy chapter 6, 6-10 to 10 says this. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Hallelujah. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. Timothy receives this charge and encouragement that one of the areas that Paul wants him to encourage his people to guard is from the love of money. And I think as we look around the culture that we live in, the love of money runs deep and it is strong. Paul encourages us to keep our eyes focused on Jesus to let the things that truly define us, Jesus Christ as, as our Savior, that he was and is and always will be, our perfect sacrifice, to let those things run deep and release all of the other things. Paul encourages in First. Timothy chapter 6, 11 to 12, he encourages us this. He says this, But as for you, O men and women of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Church, this is our call. Not to be right all the time but to let Jesus move ahead of us. May his love guide us in everything. Amen? See, this is the call. We can be right and still lose a battle. There are times in our relationships where allowing the things that, that that differ to supersede the depth of Christ's love can lead you to a place where, yes, you win the argument, yes, you win the discourse, but you may lose the opportunity to share your testimony of what Jesus has done in your life because you've actually sowed hurt instead of love. The story with the, the Catholic school, just a... a, a right by where I used to work over at Bethel is such a, a, a full story of, of, of humbling oneself. See, for years as I was growing up in, in, in my dad's church and in Kingston, I, I had this, this different understanding of Catholics and Catholicism. When I went to Bible college, I remember sitting in church history and uh, my professor, who actually spoke at a strong conference this year, Pastor Dom Russo, he got up and on the first day he said, oh, thank God for the Catholics. And I looked at him and said, what are you? And he explained to us very quickly and very succinctly that if not for Catholicism, none of us would be here today. For at one point in time, it was all the Catholic Church. And Martin Luther, who actually posted his 99 thesis on uh, the walls of his church, was quoted as saying that if he knew the schism that it was going to cause, that he never would have done it. Why? Because unity is important in the church. Amen? Right now, just across North America, there are some hundreds of thousands of different denominations. And unfortunately, what it has allowed it to do, what, what the church has become is we've become splintered. Churches began to create its own individual kingdoms. Hello? One of the things that I love about Life Center, and I said this the week before, before last, one of the things that I love about Life Center is that here in Canada, we are vastly concerned with what God is doing in Orleans. Here in Canada, we are vastly concerned with what God is doing in Cornwall. And that's a beautiful thing. That God has called us to this place to represent and be a representative of him in here in Canada, But also, we are excited about the life change that God is doing in Cornwall. And we are so thrilled about the food bank and everything that God is doing in the midst of Orleans. Why? Because God, this is so much deeper than us. And so taking the lessons that I got from my my professor in Bible college, I walked into this office with this individual, this chaplain, and as he began to pray in the Spirit, I humbled myself. I joined him in that prayer, and we together went and led for the next four years a very, very intimate and very, very incredible uh, uh, Christian uh, lunch group um, that just has done so much, uh, not just for the city, but for that particular school. And it was amazing because as a youth pastor, one of the challenges was, well, you can never really get into the schools. It's so hard to get into those high schools. You know what's a lot easier? When the Catholic chaplain invites you to come and speak at the grad celebrations. Begins to introduce you as his brother. You know what else is incredible? When he comes to you and and with tears running down his face, I was just waiting for somebody to partner with me. And I couldn't find anybody but a Pentecostal who was down the street. Now, as we began to put aside the things that would have caused tension, as we began to put aside the things that would have caused division, and instead elevated Jesus to his proper place as Lord over all, it created such incredible moments like this one. Sitting around the circle, having full permission, as I've gained the trust and understanding of, of the faculty and the staff, there was times that the principal would come and join us at Christian Club. It was amazing sitting there in the circle, and I'm talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And talking about how when God shows up, you need to be ready. When God shows up, everything can change. The whole world can flip upside down when the Holy Spirit chooses to rest in one place. The students are looking at me, they're like, yeah, that's amazing. That's awesome. And uh, I'm like, you know what? Let's pray. Right before I get to go, right before I get to pray, Boom, the side door flies open. And this young man, grade nine, runs in. He says, where's the chaplain? Where's the chaplain? The chaplain was in his office. And so he comes out. This young man throws himself at his feet. He says, I need to give my life to Jesus right now. And all the kids in the circle looked at me. They looked at the kid, this one young lady. She's 16. She goes, it's happening. It was amazing. It was amazing. We found out that this young man, under influence from his friends, had actually been uh, just around the corner from the school. And he, is, he and his friends were about to get high at lunch hour. And the moment that his friend passed him uh, the substance, the moment that he took it, a bright light shone and he heard a voice saying, Earl, I'm calling to you right now. And he knew that it was Jesus. Like a Paul moment, incredible. And so he dropped it, probably scared his friends with how fast he ran, ran into the chapel that was set up in this incredible school, gave his life to Jesus, and now he's training to become a pastor. That's God. That's God. Church, this is what happens when we push aside our differences and say, Jesus, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? Church, you can win all the arguments online that you want. But if you don't take time to build relationship with those who God has placed in your life, you will lose opportunity for testimony. We're not here to win arguments. We're here to watch God save souls. Come on. We're not here to be right. We're here to sit at the throne of Jesus. To serve as Jesus served. You know that he knew that Judas was going to betray him that night, right? And at no point did he tell Judas, hey, take your stinky feet and go sit at the table. As Judas approached him in that line to have his feet washed before the Passover supper, Jesus treated him in the exact same way that he did Peter and John and Mark and Matthew with nothing but love and grace. And if we are to be Jesus to a world that doesn't know him yet, then we need to share that same conviction. Let our hearts not be motivated by money, for that will all fade. Let our hearts not be motivated by being right all the time. We need to know God's scripture, amen? We need to have sound theology but we also need to embrace and engage with people right where they are, remembering that before the right theology gets into their hearts, let them meet Jesus first. Oh, come on. Because he can teach them. Better than me. With my fancy Bible college certificate. The Holy Spirit can do an everlasting, changing work. And there's times in our lives where he's going to say, shh, just listen. Listen to what they've been through. Listen to the road that they've walked. Maybe their perspective is different, not because you are right, but their experience is vastly different. Church, let the things that unite us run deeper than the things that would try to divide us. Oh, what a church that would be. And I believe that We're right on the path of doing it here in Canada. Can we pray today? And so, Lord, together, we hear the call to be unified. And so, Lord Jesus, we move these truths to the front today, God. Lord, that you are who you say that you are. We proclaim that with a loud voice in unison. God, you are who you say that you are. And you did send your son to die on the cross for our sins. And he did live a perfect life. And he died uh, and paid a price that he should not have had to have paid. But Jesus, you walked to that cross willingly for each and every one of us. And God, you did raise him again on the third day. And because of that death and resurrection, God, we proclaim that there is freedom alive and well in this room. And Lord, we stand on your word, knowing that it is Holy Spirit inspired words for each and every one of us to this day. And God, we declare unity in this place. Lord, if there is anything in our lives that has grown to the place that it's taken, it's taken your place in our lives, whether it be money, God, or the desire to be right, whatever it is, Lord Jesus, we just push it down right now in Jesus' name. We elevate you once again, Lord God. Would you sit on the throne of our lives, Lord, and show us where to go? God, I declare that when your Holy Spirit shows up, Lives can be changed forever. Lord, I pray that we would have that common hope, that common drive, that common faith that would push us ever further. God, in areas where we are in disagreement, in areas, Lord Jesus, where there may be differences, I pray that we would elevate your son and the desire for relationship more than the desire to be right. God, would you be at the center of it all? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Church, at this time, I'm going to call Nathan to come and close the service. Thank you so much.